What is up, guys? Welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. What I'm going to be doing with this show is actually showing you guys what exactly you need to look for prior to buying, building, selling, or even renting a home. I'm going to bring in some of the top people in the industry so we can dive deeper into discussion about these topics and really give you guys the tools you need to learn and know prior to making one of the biggest purchases of your lifetime. So with that being said, guys, welcome to The Real Build. So welcome to The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder. And today we got a very special guest on the show today, a top producing real estate agent with Compass Realty. He is also the host of the Obsessed Podcast, where he introduces you to some of the top business moguls, influencers, and thought leaders in the industry. He's also a trainer, a speaker, a business coach. The man wears many hats, busy guy, (laughs) Evan Stewart. Thank you for coming on. What's going on, Evan? Oh, man. It's a great morning over here in Dallas. Thank you for having me on the show. Really excited we could get together and make this happen. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing value to your audience. I appreciate it. Thank you again for coming on The Real Build. So what I like to do is I, I usually just like to get started. You know, I start out with asking about your background. You have a lot of different things you're doing, and I want the audience to know who is Evan Stewart. Absolutely. Well, fundamentally, I'm just a person that believes that other people are usually living short of what their potential may be. And this isn't some kind of wishy-washy motivational quote BS. This is in reality, most people fall short of the actual potential that they have in their life. And so everything that I do, even though externally you can say, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, it looks like I'm spread in a lot of different areas. In reality, everything that I do falls into a couple of different categories. I believe that I'm put on this earth to help other people identify and live in their giftedness instead of live into default. I believe that I'm put on this earth to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of other people. And everything that I do stems out of that. So in real estate, for example, I don't just sell houses. When I'm working with people, I say, does this inspire, fascinate, and motivate you? And what about this will? Because I believe that when people live in inspiring, fascinating, and motivating environments, they live happier, healthier, more productive lives. And on the other side, in building that one business, my experience in building other businesses, helping other people build their businesses, build their life, make sure that you can actually build something substantial, sustainable, lead into some type of overflow of abundance without losing other things in the process. And so to my core, I'm just here to help. And right now, what you've just explained, all of these different avenues are just different ways that I can achieve that goal and achieve that message. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so let's get into what the show is actually all about. And Mm -hmm. that's helping the customer with what they need to know as far as everything with real estate and on your end real estate. And I also talk about construction, but, you know, Diving into you a little bit more, what year did you start working in real estate and what was the reason for it? Absolutely. So I started working in the industry in about 20, 2012, give or take. And I became a, I wasn't an actual agent. I was doing some sales training and some back end stuff. And I was in the industry, but I wasn't brokering deals. I really started brokering deals 2013, sometime in there. I actually forget the exact time because it kind of transitioned over, you know. But let's say roughly seven years, give or 
or take seven and a half years. And I have been extremely entrepreneurial all my life. I've had other businesses. And actually what I got into real estate in the first place was I sold one of my other businesses. And to be extremely honest with you, like I'd love to say that I just had this fascination and this, but in reality, I was just bored. And, and I did like houses. I did. And I enjoyed entrepreneurial aspects of what that business looked like, you know, at the time. And so I jumped into it and I actually remember I was sitting in an office of a broker and I was thinking, okay, maybe I will kind of humble myself, start in an assistant position and work my way through the bottom end to the top end. I I didn't, didn't know anything about the, the industry at all. And he had said, well, you're, you, you have experience in sales. You're good with people. You're good with sales. You should become a salesperson. And so what do you know? About three months later, I, <laughs> I became a salesperson and got into the industry and just worked my way through it to where we are today. That's great. Yeah, it's usually it's funny. It's kind of how it happened for me, too. You get the, it's It kind of just happens. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Everyone's like, what was your plan? I said, my plan was to stop being bored because it's just whenever you come off of a really high producing activity, high producing as in using the majority of your time, mm-hmm. then the contrast is if you're not working a significant amount of time every week. I mean, you could have a full-time job and still think, where's all this free time coming from? And so that, that got a little weird. So, (laughs) so, I mean, stemming off of that, um, you know, you had sales experience and everything too. Why did you choose real estate as the career over other and other sales industries? You know, I, I like the product of real estate, the product of houses. I liked the opportunity to, make my own schedule to my core. And when I say make my own schedule, you and know as well as I do that, that's kind of not exactly the way it is because it's making your own schedule within the box of your client's availability. (laughs) Um, But what I loved was the ability to be out of an office, to be out and about doing things. I cannot be cooped up in one room all the time. I'm the type of personality where I need to be out and moving and, and just away from that one space. I don't mind going back to the office and doing some paperwork and having some moments of rest in all of that hyperactivity. But I saw that flexibility. I was really drawn to that. But in reality, I just noticed that the types of products that I was also inspired, fascinated, and motivated by one of the industries they existed in was real estate. And so, um, you know, when I got into the industry, I hadn't started working with that type of product, moving into new development, luxury, ultra luxury, that type of thing. Um, but the more that I started going down that trajectory and that path and working in those types of products, the more that it really affirmed, okay, that was moving in the right direction. At least to start, that's, that's, those are the thoughts in my mind on how I got into the industry. Okay, good. And so I want to dive right into it with you as as far as you know the, delivering the value to the, to then uh, to the sure. customer here. Let's so, do it. so so you say on your webpage you have built a reputation for delivering a phenomenal experience to your customers, uh, executing on every commitment and and accomplishing the unique goals of every client every time. So explain this more. How do you do this? Oh, that's a really good question, actually. That's a really good question because I think in the industry, we see a lot of people who will kind of blanket promise in order to get a client or get a sale or not even a sale, excuse me, get a listing, you know, something. But in reality, a lot of the time they drop off the face of the earth. So 
That's a really good question. So one of the ways that I do that is I set accountability in the actual conversation with the client. And this is huge. So for example, there's a listing that I took. It's been on the market for like three years. Uh, It was priced way too high. It's a luxury property. So they take a little longer to move. But when I sat down, you know, you get those standard questions. Why are you different and all of this? And if you haven't worked with them before, of course, it makes sense that they don't understand your value proposition yet. So I went through my, my value proposition. But when I say standards of accountability, I said, the one reason I'm different is my guarantee I'm the very last agent that's going to take your property because I only take properties that I know I can sell and I only work with people that I know I can work with. And so at the end of the day, the reason I am here is because I am the last agent for the property, right? That's a standard right there. I am the last person that's going to take your property. We are going to receive this amount of views and this amount of showings and this amount of action by this date accountability, that type of thing. And so the first one is I set these standards and they're not BS either, because what happened tell you, it could be little things. So I might not say, Hey, I'll get back to you this afternoon. I say, Hey, you know what, Bill, I'm going to get back to you by 3 PM today. If it gets to be about 3:34, you will remember that conversation and you'll think, okay, why did he say, where is he? What's going on? And so when you can set little tiny standards, that starts to build client trust really quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's vital, especially if you have new clients that you haven't worked with yet. I'm going to get back to you by 3 p.m. today. I'm going to see you today at 8.30. I'm going to shoot over these three documents within the next 15 minutes. And if you don't get them, call me back. You know, these types of things. And then you go out into the macro. I am the last agent for your property. I only work with people that I know I can work with. And I only take listings I know I can sell. Because the only thing that's guaranteed is as soon as we sign the listing presentation, I start spending time, energy, and resources. And I believe that's invalidating my moral and ethical responsibility to you and also the financial commitment I have to my family if I take a property that I fundamentally can't move. Does that make sense? That type of thing. It's just like, boom. And it's straightforward. And, and it's not arrogant. It's not, it's not you know, like you're coming from a place of this like high you know, pedestal righteousness. It's just black and white. Here's how I run my business. Here's why. Here's my commitment to you. And then you execute on that standard. And so, because when you start having those types of conversations and then you execute in that capacity, the one thing, I don't care how intelligent, how non-intelligent, how, how regardless of where the client is coming from, <laughs> I don't care where on the spectrum they lie, they will remember, oh yeah, Evan said this, and then that's exactly what he did. And you do that time and time and time and time and time again, a phrase I call duplicatable consistency, then fundamentally, you're going to be building a strong reputation in the, in the industry. If you do nothing else. That just that powerful. No, that's that's completely. I mean, it's like it's completely being honest with the customer too. I mean, that's that's plain and simple. What you just said, it's not mm-hmm. taking on something that you're you don't think you can. You know, you're, if you think you can sell it, you're going to sell it. You know, hands right. down. And and if there's a house that you don't think you're going to be able to sell because the price is too high, or you know, or that you just don't mesh with that 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 customer. Um, you know, it's not going to work out, man. So you're just setting yourself up for success and the customer up for success too, which is, which is huge too. And not a lot of agents do that. I mean, a lot of agents will take on whatever they can and, you know, or they just won't go to the extent that you just explained. So that's awesome. Well, let's touch on that for 30 seconds before we move to the next one. Cause I know that your show is all about tangible advice. You want someone Mm -hmm. to walk away listening and thinking I can immediately implement this. So if you're listening to this show and you're in that space, there are a couple of key things that allowed me to make the transit because it didn't used to be like that. My first year in real estate, I earned thousands, like 
like under $10,000, like thousands of dollars. It was not sustainable. Um, and so it didn't used to be like that. So a couple of just key, key things. First of all, remember this outside of a black and white insult, there is nothing you can say to a customer that will stop them from doing business with you outside of an insult. If they were sold on you to begin with, and that is a huge thing. So many people are afraid of being straightforward when in reality, when I cut through the noise and just said, here's how it is, not in a rude way, in a professional way, you hired me in order to explain the situation. This is a situation. This is how it is. This is how I can remedy it. I never bring a problem without bringing a solution. Problem, your house hasn't sold solution. Here's my strategy. That's it. Take it or leave it, right? Some people are going to like you. Some people won't. So what? They're, I'm only looking for people who are looking for me. And when you recognize there's Nothing you can say in a professional setting that will stop someone from doing business with you if they're already sold on you. And that gives you the freedom to start explaining more frequently, more consistently, the reality that you're going to be working in as the professional. And the second thing is, you said something extremely important. And I don't even know if if it was recognized, but you said most agents don't do this. Uh And this is why it's more important if you're listening to this show uh, on the recording, it's more important for you to do this because remember, nothing is special about what you do as an agent fundamentally. Unfortunately, (laughs) there's a thousand millions of different builders in the world and real estate agents in the world. And what you do on the surface is not different. And so you need to start thinking, okay, this question, what do I get through an experience with you, through a relationship with you that I cannot get anywhere else? See, what you do, I am a real estate agent, might not necessarily be unique, but the packaging of that, the experience of working with you might be unique, Uh which means by default, if you're thinking, how do I distinguish myself among others in the industry? You just start speaking this way, speaking differently, bringing value in a different way. You will immediately start that process of distinguishing yourself among the masses And that insulates your commission, insulates your value, and starts to decommoditize your professionalism, which is key if you're trying to stay consistent in the industry over years and decades, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great advice. Then, yeah, that's a great, great key point right there. That's awesome. And then, so diving into the next thing. So, we know in real estate, you are, we know real estate's a tough career. I mean, they say on average, I think, you know, and this is kind of stemming off of what we were just talking about on, on average, I mean, it's like an 80% fail rate. Right. And there are so many people, you know, with real estate licenses. And I've said this before. I mean, you could probably walk in a local grocery store and somebody has got a real estate license, especially here in Florida. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, here in Texas too. It's, yeah. it's, Crazy. And yeah, so I mean, what are you doing? I mean, you've kind of you've kind of dove into this a little bit, but what are you doing to stand out from the rest of the many real estate agents in your area? And what should people take notice of when choosing a realtor or a broker? Mm, Absolutely. So uh, the first one is I which we touched on, but I do communicate differently. I have a belief that I am not, I'm, I'm never chasing business, but I'm always looking for business and I'm never going to chase you down and try and work with you. I'm always looking for opportunities to serve, to help other people. And the way that I do that, that through a home is what I do as a real estate agent. So one thing that I do is the vast majority of my business is actually through referrals and high quality relationships. In fact, my average client will refer one to two times from the first conversation to the execution of the transaction, 
one to two times from the execution of the transaction to the close, and one to two times from the close to 12 months after. And out of those approximately four to six times, approximately two and a half close within a 12-month period. My business has grown 30 to 50% year over year, over year, over year, over year, over year consistently because I properly set those expectations. Now, that conversation of how we achieve that is much, much, much longer. Uh, if someone's interested in that, they can go to Obsessed Academy and find my university on how I actually achieve that. But that is a really huge component to it because there are two ways to achieve a business in real estate. And, and I'm not, by the way, saying that you need to be uh, you know, a Tom Ferrier or Brian Buffini and build a whole business by referral. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that when you have a business built through vested relationships instead of cold leads, it changes how you communicate and how you operate. And so like I've already touched on, those relationships can be insulators because you can commoditize what you do as a professional, but you cannot commoditize your sense of humanity. What do I get through a relationship with you that I cannot get anywhere else? Well, the answer might be I get bill. And that's really, really powerful. And that's what I'm looking for. And so that is the, the, the first part of your question, I believe, is the way that you communicate and the way that you operate can fundamentally be different. The second one you and I talked about a little bit before we got on the show is I'm the only producing agent on my team. You know, I, I have a team, but it's not the standard sense. I delegate things that are not income producing activity. I've got marketing people. I've got data people. I've got everybody doing everything except brokering the sale, showing the property, making it happen. And that's key because a lot of people will say, and you've probably heard this, you know, let's say you're sitting down with a seller. I do this and I'm going to stage your property and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to be showing the property. I'm going to be the agent that works for you. We're going to make it happen. That's a pretty good value proposition, right? If you're the seller, you're thinking, all right, like this, this agent gets to work. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a great agent. I can't wait to have him list my house. But you see, the problem with that conversation is it inadvertently starts to decay what you do as an actual professional, which is brokering deals. You're not in the business to build friendships. You're in the business to build sales volume. And that's why. So when I come in, because I delegate everything that is not income-producing activity, I'll say, hey, you know what, Bill, your house is beautiful. But I tell you what I do. I believe that the highest and best use of my time, the highest and best use of your investment in me is for me to go out and look for opportunities to sell your home and not stage your home. I will move the property. I will not move your couch. So what I'm going to do is get somebody else into the property to make sure that they are playing into their zone of strength. My stage team, my design team, my marketing team, I'm going to delegate everything that is not brokering the sale so you can rest assured that people who have strengths in that one specific area are focused solely in that one specific area. I believe that's the highest and best use of my time and the best way to utilize your investment in me and my business. Does that make sense? You see, the reason when you come through with that, all of a sudden, without even saying anything about another agent, they start to think, well, wait a minute. Now this other agent, because people usually compare, right? Now this other agent come in, they said they're going to stage, they're going to clean, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. Well, wait a minute. They're supposed to be brokering the sale. And so you can start to win more opportunities, win more listings, be different, like you said, just through an ability to communicate, well, wait, I'm actually going to do the one thing that you hired me to do. And my value is not in the fact that I can move your rug on a Thursday afternoon. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's great. And, and so, I mean, let's dive deeper into like the process too. So when dealing with buyers and sellers, realtors have to start with, you know, your initial consultation and you were just yes. touching on this. So with the customers, what questions are you asking the customers? Uh, and, you know, what should customers look for 
you know, when an, when an agent does a consultation like you just touched on. Absolutely. So on what customers should look for, I believe, if you are a seller, what you should look for is a track record of excellence, first of all. And that's kind of a little bit cliche. Obviously, you want someone who you know can commit, but people can lie, but numbers don't. And when I first got into the industry, I was working with a team that would say, oh, we've done this and we're going to take this and we're going to push it out to all these websites. But in reality, that was kind of the phrase that they had been taught to say. They didn't actually do it. And so one of the most powerful phrases you can say as a consumer is smile and say, show me. See, oh, I've sold 50 homes last year. Show me where. Because if that is the truth, they can pull it right immediately. So, uh, you know, right out of their uh, right out of their pocket immediately. And so when you are a consumer and you're interviewing, that's the first one. The second one is I'll ask questions as a consumer. I would be asking questions like, how do you perceive your reputation is in the industry? How many deals have you done off market? If you're work- working in a specific price point, especially a luxury price point, how many in this price point have you done? I don't, I don't care about the neighborhood per se, because I believe that I want the agent that can sell in the neighborhood, maybe not necessarily live in the neighborhood. So I won't necessarily say, you know, some people, oh, where do you live? Well, I don't care where you live. You can live in freaking Colorado. If you can move my property, I don't care. But I want to know, how's your relationship in the industry? Because when my house goes up, if your relationship is negative, my house will be perceived negatively. I want to know how many deals you've done off market. What's your typical volume of on market to off market? What's your typical days on market? What's your process? This is a big part as well as the consumer. I know you touched on this, but we want to say, okay, so we're going to get a lot of agents. We're going to get the house staged and photographed and videography, and then we're going to hit the MLS. Woo. Okay, great. Ask questions like, who's your photographer? That's an immediate point of distinguishment between professional agents and amateur agents. Not necessarily disparaging if someone's listening to this and they don't have one person, not disparaging, but I've noticed the amateur agent usually goes with the standard company. It's usually a run-of-the-mill company. They've got a lot of different people. There's, there's, it's presented in a very similar fashion. The professional agents, they've got a photographer referral, a stager referral. They've got those relationships actually built. So you want to ask those questions. Who's your photographer? Oh, great. Who's in charge of your marketing team? How do you delegate? If you were to get two showing requests at the same time, how would you delegate that? You just want to start asking these questions so you know how they're going to operate when your home is on the line. And on the buy side, you want to make sure that they can actually furnish deals successfully. You want to say things like, how many deals have you won for your buyers in the last 12 months? You want to say things like, how do you negotiate, depending on the situation, with this, uh, with this type of property? How do, you, how do you typically negotiate? What is your typical negotiation process? Again, how is your reputation perceived in the industry? Bill, I've got a buyer that I'm working with right now, and the agent on the other side I've worked with before. And I had such a bad experience with that agent, I had to unblock his number just to send over an offer. That's how bad it was. And so moving into that transaction, I just flat out told my buyer, I said, there's a very real possibility that this could be a little bit rocky. Just want you to know. And we added some days on escrow to potentially insulate if we're going to have a rocky transaction. So on the consumer side, you're going to want to know if that is in fact the case. You want to know proof. If you have great client experiences, great. Let me talk to some of your clients. You know, People lie, numbers, data, it doesn't. And so just just ask. A real agent will be able to show you where 
they can back up their uh, their statements. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's all about asking the right questions, hands down. I mean, if you don't ask, you're never going to know. Right? That's the thing. Absolutely. So, I mean, getting into the, you know, like getting into the next stages of the process too. So that was the beginning. So let it's, it's important to guide customers from start to finish, you know, during the buying and selling process. What are you doing differently that people should look for? Well, on the buying process, I do something that's crazy. <laughs> I ask this question. I'll say, is this the house you want to buy? Right. The definition of a buyer is someone who buys not someone who looks definition of a seller is someone who sells, not someone who wishes. And so I will literally ask, is this the house you will walk into a home? We'll be done. Is this the house you want to buy? So many people, so many agents don't ask for the sale. They just kind of show houses. You know, you'll hear things like, Oh, I'm, I'm a matchmaker and Oh, I'm, I'm not an agent. I'm a, you know, marriage counselor. And we just marry the home and the person. And it's, you know, that's not, you're on your card. It says real estate salesperson. I'm not saying you have to be greasy, but part of your job is saying, is this the house you want to buy? And if you're working with a real buyer, that shouldn't be offensive. And see, the answer will either be yes or no. Yes. Great. Let's talk about terms or no. Great. What specifically about this home you believe invalidates this. And I will make sure never to show you another product with that same characteristic again. So that way I'm maximizing your use of time. That's it. That statement right there shortened my sales cycle 30%. No joke. I would literally be working with buyers for, for months because we just kind of go into a home and they might feel it. And then we'd go into another home and they might feel it here. And then we'd write an offer and it was it wasn't a good process. It wasn't a professional process. So one of the biggest differences in the process with the buyer, is this the house you want to buy? Starting in the first conversation, I will say, I believe that people need to be in inspiring, fascinating, and motivating environments. What, what do you believe would be an environment that would motivate you just by having that morning cup of coffee on Saturday? And you're going to start hearing things like, well, you know, I guess, I guess big windows. Well, okay. Now we're going to be looking in the city. I guess I just, I'd love to hear. I had someone said, man, I grew up on a farm. If I could just hear a railroad on Saturday morning, a train going by that would warm my heart. All right. Now we're looking in the country. All right. And so you start finding good ways to identify the product because you're listening to what they need as in their core over the, well, I guess if I had this dining room and that type of thing, people aren't inspired by dining rooms. They're inspired by a home that looks like it's a good reflection of their labor and their effort. And, uh, and then on the seller side, we talked about that a little bit, just executing on the commitment, making sure that I'm continually communicating with sellers, a weekly update. Here's the amount of people who are looking. Here's the amount of people who are engaging. Even if you have no short showings, nothing to report, here's the activity I have been doing on your behalf for the last seven days. Because if you do not communicate as an agent, I guarantee you, your seller at some point thinks that you've stopped working. I promise you, whether you believe it or not, you have to communicate. That's great. Yeah. And I mean, touching back on the buyer's side, it's, it's crazy to me with a lot of agents, like you said, they'll bring, they'll bring a customer to, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 houses in a day by the time they're done, you know, the customer doesn't even want to buy. They're so tired. They can't even see straight, you know, cause they, yeah. and they don't even remember the house they liked cause they've seen so many <laughs> different houses, you know what I mean? So it's, it's those points that you touched on are, are key. And mm -hmm. I mean, not a lot of people are utilizing it too, and they need mm -hmm. to. So that's awesome. They do. They do. Um, when selling a home, you know, product knowledge is key. Uh, you, that's, it's key with everything in sales, but you know, you should know as much about a house that you can prior to selling it. 
Uh, mm-hmm. how, how are you applying this strategy? Are you talking about the, when you say selling it, you're talking about the sales side? The yeah, seller the, side yeah the selling side of it. Yeah, you should know as much. I mean, you can, you can kind of bring it into the buying side too, because obviously if you're going to show them and you do your, your questions and everything, like you just said, right, um, right. you can apply it to that too, with the product knowledge and learning the product before you show it to them, I guess. But right. uh, more towards the selling side. So if you're a listing agent on a house, um, you know, the product knowledge is key. So how are you learning as much as possible about each and every home or what are you applying? Towards? Absolutely. Well, that goes back to that first question, which is you need to ask. You want to know the black and white details, the history, the numbers. You want to know the numbers comparatively. One of the worst things you can do as an agent is list in the neighborhood and not know the average price per square foot, the average this, you know, you you want to know how the house compares. Every single one of my listings, I will tour other comparable listings when I take the listing. Why? So I know what the buyers are looking at. So when you have an open house, oh yeah, we've been at open houses all afternoon. Oh, so you must've come from the one just down the street. Why? Yes, we did. Oh, interesting. Well, here's why this one's different. Or I've got a property right now that's $286 a square foot. It's a dollar cheaper, the fifth cheapest price per square foot in the entire park cities where price per square foot can go into 500s and 600s, you know, and and say, okay, why is this the best value? Well, here's why. And you need to know comparatively. So it's data internally, first of all, which is black and white details of the home, right? That's straightforward. Data externally, how does this home compare in the buyer's mind and how does it compare in the actual market? But then the third is you want to build an emotional connection around the home. Now, you have to be careful. A lot of people will build stories around the home that ends up discriminating against fair housing laws. You can't say things like, you know, it's a great family home because you will be discriminating against those that potentially don't want to have uh, build out a family in their their history. You can't say things like, oh, it's close to this church because then you're discriminating against non-denominational or that type of thing. So the, the, the red tape, as you know, for that is crazy, crazy, crazy. So you have to be super careful. But you want to build an emotional connection around the environment. Remember, people buy emotionally and justify logically. And so if you can start that bridge, you're halfway there. And so, for example, in the higher end, I have worked with, uh, well, we're in Texas. <laughs> Here, I'm in Texas. So I've done some luxury ranch property, multi-million dollar property, 13,000 square foot homes on 400 acres. Beautiful, beautiful property. And there's a really specific type of buyer that wants to go move two hours out of town, live in a massive property in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's a really specific buyer. And so one thing that this emotional connection that we would do is we build the marketing all around the lifestyle of the property. Here's how it looks like when you're entertaining. Here are the people that are here. Here's the, I mean, I have actually had one of my best marketing strategies was a family was on the fence. So we allowed them to lease the property for a weekend, basically put them up in like a hotel. We had them invite their friends and throw a pre-housewarming party. We brought in a catered dinner. We had massages in the living room, nice music playing. I mean, it was a weekend of pamper and they bought the property. And so there are really unique ways. And this was a a higher end property. You can't really do that at like a 322 that's, you know, 300,000, 200,000. But um, the concept is the same. When you're selling properties, having that information is key, but then also understanding what emotionally is going to bring the buyers to a point of action on the property? I have this phrase, your ability to do well in sales is not just in having passion or conviction, but in your ability to direct that passion and conviction in a way that inspires someone else to take action. Same thing with the property. What is the point of inspiration and action on the consumer side? Think to yourself, what would allow me to buy the property? And then 
decode that and push that out in your marketing. <laughs> and then when you've got the data to back it up, there's just, there's no question. That's great. And so huge, huge topic here. Cause you, I mean, you just mentioned it too. Let's, let's talk marketing. So, you know, marketing obviously is huge. It's uh, it's a big, you know, even in the prior conversation of our listing, a listing appointment, you know, most people want to know how you're going to market the property. So what should sellers look for in, in an agent's marketing strategy when selling their home? Big question. That is a big question. That is the question, isn't it? <laughs> um, what sellers should look for in an agent that's marketing the home is if the agent is talking about the MLS as a marketing strategy, that is my definition of an amateur, don't list with them. Really. And I know that sounds really harsh, but at the end of the day, there are so many agents out there that have more robust strategies. If the agent comes in and says, yeah, we're going to, we're going to list on, and, and here's another red flag. We're going to propagate to this many websites. Propagation to those websites occurs automatically when you hit MLS. So unfortunately, piercing the veil, when an agent says, yeah, we're going to post your home on a thousand websites, what they're really saying is we're going to post your home on MLS and MLS automatically goes to those websites, right? And so what I would ask as the seller and what I would think about as the agent is, how are you going to sell my home? Tell me all of your strategy that does not relate to postcards, a sign in the yard, open houses, broker opens, or MLS. Cut right to the chase. And then they need to answer the question. So from the seller standpoint, that's, that, that's piercing the veil. <laughs> what is the strategy? Uh, from the selling agent standpoint, develop your strategy. Don't be afraid to get creative. If, it, if it's a unique property, lean into the uniqueness of it. If it's a property that is, you know, I had a, a one of my first developments that I launched years ago. It was a really small, like four unit townhome development, and it was contemporary. And it was in a transitional market, which, you know, transitional is real talk for really great property in a really crappy part of town. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and so I thought, okay, there was a really eclectic mix of buyers. And the property wasn't quite understood yet. It, it was really breaking the market. There wasn't something like that already. And so we had four different units. On one unit, we had a DJ and we had dancers and we had, uh, you know, it was kind of dark. And we had cool lights and like iridescent art. And we had a really cool kind of a hip contemporary experience. The one next door, we had uh, kind of like cocktails and we had jazz music playing. And it was a lot, you know, very, you know, classical and just a good classic home experience. The next one, we had a room specifically for kids and we had, you know, you could come in and there was, you know, all types of, you know, like fun things to do as the family. And then the last one was just the staged property. So they could literally go through, okay, you've got your single life. You've got your single life, but we don't really go out. You're your, your couple life, no kids. You've got, here's how you can live as a family. And then here's kind of the blank template where you can envision your own. Um, those types of creative strategies, a lot of agents try and stay stray away from because they can highlight your professional. Because think about it, if that were to fail, you'd look like, I mean, you'd look pretty silly. And so um, it, you get some exposure there. But those questions on the seller side and those types of unique strategies on the sales agent side, I think are vital to uh, potentially achieving a good relationship and and making sure there's a good alignment there between consumer and professional. Yeah, that's great. Because I mean, you are spot on though. A lot of agents will say they'll they'll pitch the MLS. It's, it's one of the top pitches. And I'll, yeah, I can spread it, it all over. Yeah, I could spread it all over and then, yeah, they put a sign in the yard and that's it. And then they sit on the property. Social media is the other thing. Well, it's going to go on social media. I'll say, how many organic followers do you have? 
that type of thing, right? So, and it, 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 you don't have to expect tons and tons and tons and tons, but you want to know immediately who are the social media partners that you have. How many organic followers do you have? What's your average view? What's your, I mean, you need to know your numbers. And as the seller, you've got to ask that. Don't be caught in the MLS trap. Putting a sign in the yard and putting it on MLS is like, you, you could do that for 200 bucks as the seller. <laughs> That's not what you hire an agent for. Yeah, exactly. So continuing though, too, this is a big topic, um, you know, a lot of people. So we all know commission structure is important to many of our customers. There are more and more variations of companies popping up, you know, like with fixed pricing, lower percentage, yeah. offering lower percentage. You know, I've seen one person actually, um, I called and I, they, they were just uh, actually getting paid monthly to put the property on the MLS. Yeah. They weren't okay. selling or anything that the, the customer actually just paid them so he can have MLS access. Notice you said paid monthly. That means they're expecting it to be on the MLS for a few months. Yeah, <laughs> that's and there's no promotion by the agent or anything. They're just it's, sure. it was crazy to me. You know, so what should customers know upfront when discussing commission structure? So I don't believe there's a commission problem. I believe there's a value problem. I do not deserve six percent or anything more if my strategy is to put it on MLS. That's just not. Come on, that's just not not okay. Um, I believe what customers should be discussing is how are you going to earn that that commission realistically? Not why do you deserve it? How will you earn it? You see, one of the best things I ever did is I broke down for the customer, literally, here's how I'm going to earn that commission. Here's where it goes. I will show the numbers. Approximately 1% goes to taxes. It cost me approximately 1% to actually market your home. Well, realistically, on average, I can break down the numbers. My average property is about between on the low end 0.67 and on the high end about 1.2% of the sales price of the property is what it costs me to market it. So if I have a million dollar property, maybe 30,000, 20,000, depending on where we actually end up, maybe a little bit less. I can, you know, might be able to do nine to 12, but one page in a luxury advertisement is five grand. So there's five grand. Um, but I'm able to break down, like, here's exactly how I earn, here's where the money goes, here's why I need that in order to sell your home, here's what you're going to get for that. And so what they should be asking is, first of all, don't ever immediately go to cutting commission because the agent that can't protect their commission cannot protect your finances. I, I, I never recommend listing with a flat fee or a lower cut agent. Um, you know, If you're an investor and you don't really care and all you want is it to be on MLS, I mean, that's one thing. But the reason you hire an agent is not so you can start slicing their level of professionalism. It's so they can build a thought around your family, your home, and your finances. And so the question needs to be, okay, you want 6%. How are you going to protect? How are you going to achieve a faster sale? I know that I can put it on MLS for $250. Average days on MLS for my property, which average days you can pull on any of your websites as a consumer. Average days for my property is, you know, let's call it 57, which means that on average, if I spend that monthly fee, 500 bucks, I can pro approximately move it in two months. So how, if I'm gonna spend, you know, $6,000 with you, how can you move it in a shorter time than two months? How can you get more activity, you know, compare. And so again, it's not a commission problem, it's a value problem. As this consumer ask about the value, again, 
the strategy, we've talked about strategy. How does this compare to what I could achieve, right? There are two cars in a parking lot. I say they both got great engines. They both have four wheels. Okay, well, one is $100,000 and one is $30,000. All things the same, you're going to say, well, wait a minute. Why, why am I not going to go with this $30,000 car that's a better value? Okay, well, now one is a gently used Rolls Royce and one is a brand new Ford Fusion. Which one's more important? And so you don't actually understand how to properly execute on that decision until you understand where the value is coming from. Same thing with the consumer side. Awesome. So staying on the, to keep moving here, staying on the cost topic, when working with a seller, how do you get them the most money for their home? Mm, that's a good question. Um, the first one is I... I'm a really good negotiator, <laughs> to be quite honest. A is, uh, it's a plus. So one of my principles is collaborate without ego. I don't know if you can see here on the. Uh, well, I've got way too many, way too many notifications, but I've got my uh, my principles on the back of my phone. So one of my principles is collaborate without ego. I have no emotions involved. It's not me versus you. I believe that as an agent, we have the same goal and we need to uh, accomplish it together. Uh, so it's a, a really deep understanding of contracts, of terms, of market, and the strong ability to negotiate. And when you can drop the ego, drop the emotions, it gives you an ability to operate better as a professional. So that's the first one. And the second one is goes back to what we talked about in strategy. The emotional connection is key because the and building that emotional connection with the potential buyer because the property is worth something. Let's call it here, but usually the actual value. And the retail value, there's a gap, usually. The bridge in that gap is the emotional connection. I have literally had a buyer say, I was driving to buy a brand new limited edition Ferrari, and my wife fell in love with the house, so we bought this one instead. They were about the same price. And they paid top, top, top dollar. In fact, it was so top dollar. It was so breaking the market, we had to get four appraisals before they came in to justify value. That's how the first appraisal came in a million dollars less than what the property was actually would actually closed at. And so we finally got there, but that strategy is one of the key components to actually achieving as much money as possible. And then you have to know contracts inside and out. I know every line, what is the implication? How can they leverage this against us? How can we leverage this against them? What, you need to know all of that inside and out. So when you have a full picture, regardless of where your attack, so to speak, where the contrary opinion is coming from, you can handle it, move around it, and maintain control for your client. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's great information too. I mean, especially the contract knowledge too, Not a, believe it or oh, not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people. Not a lot of people read them. That's the thing, too. That's <laughs> no, no. That's that could be another seller question. When was the last time you refreshed your contract? Yeah, there you go. There you go. So with with buyers now, how do you get them the best deal on a home? So roles reversed here. Same thing, but in reverse. When I but one one key difference is whenever I. Uh, whenever I present an offer for a buyer, I present it in relation to the market. So I'll present it with other facts, other comparables in the market. This is where we're getting our information from sellers. Here you go. Not that we pulled some number out of our butt. Now, now there's something important that I want to, to mention here. You said, how do we get them like the best price, the best deal? Sometimes the best deal might be the sales price of the property because it's priced perfectly. Mm -hmm. My buyers will always get the best deal. They will not always get the 
biggest discount because sometimes the house is presented well, even in today's market where we, we you know, Dallas used to be so hot that you could show, especially under 500,000, you could show houses all day long and never get an opportunity to offer. Now that's not quite the case, but there are some cases where you say the best value for this home, quite frankly, is like where they're listed at, which means that if you got anything off, it'd be, it'd be a no brainer. And so, but you need to know where you're coming from. You need to justify where to your buyer, where you're coming from. And if you start siphoning off on other terms, you need to justify that to them on why taking your deal is better than staying on the market. So what can a customer do? This is kind of a different, uh, different question here. Um, I'll explain a little bit more, but what can a customer do while listing a home that is cost effective to add value to the property? I mean, we, you, brushed on, you know, staging, stuff like that. But if they want to add more value to the property prior to listing, do you know any different strategies that you can tell the customer? Absolutely. Well, in a, in a conceptual and idealistic sense, you just want to remember, don't give them another reason to say no. The customer is already not buying the property when they walk in. Don't give them a reason to justify not buying it further. So what I mean by that is if you've got screwy carpet, if you've got you know, walls that are dinged up, if you've got wacky colors, if you've got landscaping that's that's screwy, you've, you've got to spend the upfront money to make that happen. A lot of sellers will say, oh, that's something I'll negotiate. No, you won't get to the point to negotiate it because it's going to be more expensive to negotiate that than it is to do it upfront. Not to mention doing those items upfront will be cheaper than your first price reduction. I guarantee it. And so immediate value add is just if there's anything about your home that doesn't make it look smell feel like a fresh model staged home then and i say staged metaphorically like you know like walking into a model home so to speak uh, it doesn't always uh, you don't always have to go in and stage stage but if you if you i mean literally walk out of your front door walk back in and think is there anything immediately that leads me to believe that this is not a model home so to speak and if so make a list and knock it out you know, curb appeal is a real thing. The interior of the home is a real thing. But then the other thing is, if you you need to know where you stand as well. If you, are, again, with your agent comparing to the market, this is why this is so key. Sometimes as the seller, you can walk through other homes and see where you stand. Maybe you really should get rid of the Corian and put in granite countertops. And it's three to $5,000 and it's a big expense, but that 5,000 can reap you 15,000 because a new house down at 123 Main Street just listed and they're $5,000 less and they have granite countertops. Now you're not going to sell as long as they're on the market, that type of thing. So the value add play is first of all, internal, like we talked about how internally in this space alone, can we make sure that buyers don't have another reason to say no? And second is external. How comparatively are we going to make sure we stand in the market? If that house that we just referenced hit the market has granite and it's $5,000 less. If you want to compete, there are two strategies. You either lessen your price right out of the gate, or you make improvements to match value that the market's going to be expecting because market expectations will come from the market that you're in. Big topic here too, you know, and, and you probably deal with it a lot. Every, every, I think every agent deals with this a lot, but most sellers believe that their homes are worth more than, than it should be, you know, and, And, you know, you can show them all the comps, uh, you know, show them everything, you know, but the motion kicks into the sellers, you know, that yes. they want more money than the things that actually worth. So yes. how can you educate the seller on pricing their home correctly? How do you get around this? Because not a lot of people know how to do it. And, and a lot of agents will actually just settle 
and they'll say, okay, we'll list it for what you want. And then, you know, nothing's happening. Yeah. Nothing's happening for a month or two. There's no showings of anything. And then the customer still, you know, then they're asking and it makes them look bad because they're asking later on, Hey, we need a drop price. So yes. Yes. How do you handle this? There are a few different ways to handle it. Again, we can go back to what, well, the, the principle that I'm talking about when I'm talking about comparing to the market, I have a principle and I believe in education over speculation. And I'll tell this to the, to the, the customer, the seller in these conversations, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, I believe in education over speculation. And while we can speculate and we can hope that this price can be achieved, the reality is this is what we're working with. And at the end of the day, I believe you hired me as a professional or you are hiring me as a professional, depending on where you are. I believe you're hiring me as a professional to give you the reality that we're going to be working in instead of speculating because I do not want to speculate with your financial future. I believe in eliminating ambiguity. Here are the facts. That's the first thing you can do. But this concept of education over speculation can also work by taking them to the market. You say, okay, you think your house is worth 450. I say that it's worth 410 or 380, whatever the other number is. Let me show you the other houses that are worth 450 and bring them through their own tour. And then walk back in. Your house is great. First of all, don't ever freaking insult them. Like, oh, this house has this and your house doesn't. You're going to sound like a jerk. I promise. It doesn't come off the way you expect. But you can say, these houses have this list of upgrades and yours does not have this list of upgrades. Now, that is neither a good thing or a bad thing. It is a reality we're working with. Here's how we strategize our uh, you know, strategy in hitting the market. Here's how we're going to adjust for that, this price point. The other thing that I might consider as the listing agent is I rarely will say, I want you to list your house at 500,000 because you're going to get the feedback of, well, you don't tell me what to do with my house. You know, like it's, it's my money. So what I might say is let's say we want to list a property at $500,000. Okay. 499 would be a real estate world. So let's call it 499. I'll go give or take half 1% in that bracket. So let's say at 499, I might say, so what price between four ninety five and five hundred thousand are you most comfortable with? Or you know, in a bigger swing, what price between one point one million and one point two million are you most comfortable with? You know, these types of things to where they're still working within your bracket. Because if you list a little bit lower, it just becomes a better deal. It's easier to negotiate. You can move it quicker. And if you list right up at that top, you're still listing at the price that you wanted them to list at to begin with. And so you can allow them to make a decision, but it's within the box of your professionalism. So they're not going to come in really far over the fact. I don't take overpriced listings. That's one thing that you can implement as a, as a professional. That's Just don't take an overpriced listing. But here's another strategy that you can do. So let's say it's a situation for whatever reason, you want the property, you know you can sell it, it's in a new market. You've got, I mean, sometimes, as you know, we can say, we're not going to take it, we're not going to take it, and, and we take it, right. right? Sometimes it does happen. That's just the reality of the business. Here's what I can do. And this was so, so key. I can't believe no one had ever done this before. I pre-execute a price reduction. Okay, great. I say 485, you say 515, no problem. I tell you what we'll do. We're going to list at 515 and right here, sign here, we're going to pre-execute a price reduction at 485,000 within 15 days, which means I'm going to work my absolute hardest because if your house sells at 515, we all win. In fact, this actually backfired on me once with the client because I said, if we sell at this price point, not only will we win, but I'll put you and your wife up for a date night in the city and pay for your dinner because I am that confident that, well, what, what do you think freaking happened? Somebody yeah. bought it. But, um, so that was an expensive, an expensive client <laughs> gift there. But, um, but, but what we'll do is we'll say, okay, we'll list at this price. I'll work hard for this price because everybody wins. I make more money. You make more money, but 
If it doesn't move, my job is to execute on your behalf and move the property. I need to sell the property, not list the property, which means that within 15 days, if nothing happens, we automatically drop to my price. And if they're not okay with that, that should be a red flag because it means you're working with someone who is stubborn enough that they will be hard to work with throughout the transaction. And as a professional, you might want to be thinking, is this somebody I really want to be representing? Because they might be their biggest you know, hurdle in actually getting the deal done. And that's like we talked before. That's where you kind of know what the relationship with the customer too. If it's not going to work, yeah. If it's not going to work, don't do it because one hundred percent. It's only going to get worse down the road. So yes. Um. So touching on relationships, and I always ask this question because it is huge. Uh, building long term relationships with customers is key. What do you offer that others don't in your area that customers need to pay attention to before buying or selling their homes? So as far as your long-term relationships with them too, even after the sale, what are you doing to touch base on that? Be a resource before, during, and after. I believe that every interaction with the customer needs to do two things. One, be client value driven. Two, reinforce my professionalism. You don't want to call, hey, I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing. <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not how it works. No, it's, hey, I just wanted to call and touch base and know that, like, for example, in the summer season, I know that a lot of people are going out of town. And I was curious, do you need a good home resource, a good house sitter? Do you need a good pet? You know, what can I basically do as a resource to be here for you? Here is why I charge 6% plus a 9.99 transaction fee and never discount my commission. And I get it almost every single time. Here's why. Because I am the cheapest agent in my market. Why? Because I'm a resource before, during, and after. We can literally be in relationship for decades and you only pay me when you transact. Think about your financial advisor. If you, you know, especially if you have somebody that if you can pick up the phone and call someone and they are at your becking call, that's an expensive resource. And you're going to pay every time you call. I know my attorney, love him to death. He's very expensive. And every time we call, he's like, hey, how, you know, how are you doing? How's, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about business because that conversation is enough for $500, you know, um, those types of professionals are expensive. And so your value, you're actually the best value in the market because they're only paying you when you transact. But you only reinforce that by being client value driven, reinforcing your professionalism every time you have a conversation. I'll say my goal is to be a resource before, during, and after the transaction. And here's how. I am the person you can call with anything home or market or area related. I've helped clients set up great date nights. I, I, I will do things like Valentine's Day. I'll go throughout the city and I'll make reservations at the top restaurants in town months and months in advance. Then I'll call my client two weeks beforehand. Hey, I know that you were looking to get into the French room and they've been booked for six months. I want to let you know I have two table reservations there. I wanted to offer one to you and your spouse. Are you guys interested in that? That's client value driven and it reinforces my professionalism. I'm not asking to transact. I'm not asking for business. I'm not asking for referrals. I'm just saying I thought of you and wanted to make sure you guys were appreciated because as my clients, you only get the best. And here's how I'm going to prove that again and again and again and again. And you do that across you know, 30 to 45 days. That's how you build relationships with people that are excited to pick up the phone. Doesn't mean you have to be Santa and you're always giving away things, but it's how are this question, right? How is your life better because I'm in it? Uh And how is my life better because you're in it? How can I make sure that I move the needle so far in your life that I become a must have instead of a nice to have, that I am the only person you consider you think of? Well, if people can think of you for everything around what you do as a professional, you are automatically by default thought of as a professional when they need to buy or sell. And so that's a fantastic way to build those relationships is how can you be client value driven consistently? And it takes creativity and it takes time and it takes a little bit of money, but I promise you it pays off massively for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, and a lot, that's the thing. And, and 
a lot of agents don't do it. Sadly, once again, you know, after the deal is done, they're done, you know, and what they do, and I brought this up before too, is I try and like, I just sold a condo, for example, and then I offer them home watch service because a lot of people where I'm at are seasonal, you know, they're not here for six months or five months. So, you know, it's why not offer that extra. So you're always still a part. You're still communicating every week with them too. Um, You know, there's so many different strategies. Like you said, that restaurant example is great too. Um, Yeah, that's it. That one always goes over well. Trust me. You know, and Christmas time, you know, December, I'll I'll have like holiday guides. And I mean, there's, it it, it sounds like, not only sounds like, I mean, it is a lot of work, but Again, I mean, think about, I use the example, think about your automotive specialist. Uh, I say automotive specialist. Think about the guy that sold you your car. (laughs) I'm getting to, you know, high level here. Think about the guy that sold you your car, uh, guy or gal. And and they imagine if, have they ever called you outside of wanting maybe another sale and outside of the first two or three months, have they ever called you to follow up? No. Okay. So if they called you to follow up and they said, Hey, I just wanted to check on you and see how you're doing. How would you, what would you immediately think of? Uh, I'd probably, yeah, think it was crazy because they never yeah, yeah. usually do it. <laughs> well, yeah, but you'd also probably think, okay, you're trying to sell me a car. Yeah. My, yeah the reason this is on my mind, mine called me yesterday after two years. Just wanted to check on you. I'm like, okay, no, yeah, what happened was the new model came out. I wanted to see if you, imagine this. Hey, Bill, I just wanted to call and check on you. I hope you're enjoying the new Toyota Tundra that you bought. Listen, I know that we're entering July. I know if a lot of families go on vacation, I wanted to personally offer, if you are going on vacation, I'd like to offer you a roadside tune-up. I'd be happy to pick up your car and make sure it's ready to go where all you have to think about is packing for the mountains or the beach instead of worrying about actually getting there. Would that be client value-driven? Would that reinforce profession? I mean, if somebody called me on that, I'd think, you know what? I am going on vacation and I do need that. No problem. I'll pick it up for you. I'll drop it right uh, right back at your office just like you didn't even know it was there. Okay. Well, that would be amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you just if, if the professional just went the extra mile, the amount of gas and the amount of time, the money on those two things that it would take to get the car and bring it back would 100 percent reinforce me as a client. You know, we don't have this problem in Florida. We don't have this problem in Texas. You're in Colorado. Hey, you know what? We're getting into November. It's going to start snowing soon. Is your car snow ready? If not, I want to make sure how can I help you to where you don't end up getting stranded on your way to work? What what do you need? You know, if they if, if in the automotive industry, if that happened. I'd be a client for life in the real estate industry. What, how is your life better because I'm in it? If you can answer that question and commit and execute on that question, you will literally make clients for life. It's so simple, Yeah. but the problem is so many people overlook it. Yeah, that's good. That's spot on too. I mean, even, yeah, even with the car industry, if they called you for, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, it's about that time probably where you need an oil change. Hey, come on in, bring your car out. It's on me and I'll cover it for you. You know, it's not that much money to do an oil change too. So it's Absolutely. simple. And I'd be like, Whoa, yeah, I'm definitely going back to this guy. It's constant. Like you said, you're always thinking about that person because it engraves it into your head too. Absolutely. A little above and beyond. Absolutely. Um, Final question. I always ask everybody. So what exactly do people need to look for when buying, selling a home and why should they choose Evan Stewart for their, as their realtor of choice? Mm, I love that. Well, I believe what, what you should look for when you're buying or selling a home is you need to answer as the consumer, you need to answer why you're doing it. Again, going all the way back full circle to what I said, I believe that 
people that live in inspiring environments live happier, healthier, more productive lives. I believe that a home is a purest reflection of one's labor and that by being motivated just by getting your coffee on a Saturday morning allows you to be more healthy in your relationships, more healthy in your work, because you can constantly be reminded, okay, I am in fact, my hard work is paying off by this environment. So if you're buying or you're selling a home, my clients, I would ask, what about this home do you believe is bringing that inspiration, fascination, and motivation back into your daily routine? If you're selling a home, what do you believe about the next home is going to fulfill what you're not getting with this home? You need to answer those questions because if you can't, you're going to be looking for a long time. The reason people should list, people should buy, people should sell with Evan Stewart if they're in the Dallas area is because nobody in the world takes care of you quite like I do. Nobody talks like I do. Nobody builds reputation like I do. Not saying that to be arrogant or braggadocious. What I'm saying is what I do, I take extremely seriously because I believe in a moral and ethical alignment and commitment in addition to a professional one which means if we work together, I believe it's a violation of my moral and my ethical responsibility to you, your family, and your finances by not executing and committing to what we agreed to, not just taking a property and throwing it on MLS and sitting back and hoping things sell, but how do I maintain my moral alignment with this individual, with this family, by going above and beyond their initial expectations? How do you walk away from our relationship as a consumer and think my perspective of a real estate professionalism has drastically changed because I have entered your life? If I don't achieve that goal, I failed and I do not fail fundamentally. So you can list with other agents. That's totally fine. I don't believe that there are that, you know, there's a, you know, I'm not like, oh, there are bad agents and all that. You can list with a good agent. That's fine. You can have a good life. I'm not offering a good agent relationship. I'm offering a great agent relationship. And that's a commitment I stand behind. Some people want it. Some people don't. That's fine. I work with the people that are looking for life changing experiences that are packaged in what would typically be considered ordinary and non-unique. That's my value proposition. And that's what I offer for my clients. Awesome, Evan, this has been awesome. I mean, so much good info today. Um, I really appreciate you coming on again, man. And last thing too, where can people find you, get a hold of you? Where can they find Evan Stewart? Absolutely. Well, the, I'm most active on social media. All of my handles are at real Evan Stewart. Uh, that's for just kind of my general page. I have a real estate specific, which is at Compass Evan. But if you hit me up at Real Evan Stewart on you know Instagram, especially, I'm super active on right now. That's where I'm available. I'm more than happy to answer questions. If you're a consumer in, in any market and you have questions about you know the process, I'm more than happy to get you connected with one of my referral partners there. Uh, or if you're an agent and you're thinking to yourself, I'm curious about the industry, you know, hit me up. I'm always available. And then, of course, my uh, my podcast, The Obsessed Podcast on iTunes is a great resource for anybody who's looking to, you know, like you said, learn from the people who have really achieved at high levels. Um, my entire goal is to inspire, impact, and improve the lives of other people. And uh, any way that I can give back to, to you, you listener who's listening, any way that I can do that would be an honor in my life. Yeah, and it's like I told you, man, your content is great. So I definitely recommend Evan's content to everybody out there. Go check him out. And Evan, thank you again so much for coming on this episode of The Real Build. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Real Build. And guys, if you would just take a little bit of your time to write a review below, I'd really appreciate it. It doesn't take long. Obviously, reviews are going to make this show be heard by more people. And that's what we need. We need to get this out there. So please write a review, share it with your friends and family. And thank you so much for everybody that's listening. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.